I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone, thank you so much for joining me for the first ever episode of I've Never Had an Original Thought. Um, yeah, hopefully I'm kicking things off with a bang because my first guest is incredible. It is the amazing Kaylee Ray Pavillard. Now, after graduating with degrees in advertising and fashion media from Southern Methodist University, Kaylee competed in Miss USA after claiming the crown as Miss Colorado USA. She's also spent years working with the world's, some of the world's most illustrious brands, including Guess, Frankie's Bikinis, and even Victoria's Secret. Kaylee Ray is now currently head of US Talent Partnerships at Comey, where she fuels her passion to empower creatives that's where I work too so that's how I know her in case you were wondering and yeah we have an incredible episode we talk about the social media space life in LA the modeling industry and of course pageantry I mean how could we not she competed in Miss USA which is incredible so we talk about all those things hopefully there's something in there for everyone please subscribe and rate it five stars even before you listen because that will uh, motivate me to make more episodes so yeah hopefully it's a great one for you and I will stop rambling now okay woohoo let's go hi everyone today I am with Kaylee Hi! <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing great, how are you? I'm good, thank you. So everyone who's listening is probably going to be like, oh my god, how did you get Kaylee on the podcast? But do you want to explain how we know to that? Sure, so um, Becky and I both work together at Comey, um, which is a tech startup. We build customizable LinkedIn bios for celebrity talent, whether that's in the music space and the athletic space. I particularly focus on fashion and beauty, um, which will probably make sense as Becky and I go into the discussion. But Becky's amazing. I love working with her. And when she asked me to be on the podcast, it's my first one. Um, So I was a little hesitant just because I've never done it before. But why not? So here we are. I know. Well, I'm going to throw you in the deep end uh, because the question that I ask everyone is who or what is one person, idea or event that has changed the way that you see the world recently? I think I have to, this was like such a big event in my life. Um, And I guess it has nothing to do like with me professionally. Um, It's more like on my personal life, but my dad unfortunately about seven months ago suffered very very bad from covid mm-hmm. um i at the time was in new york uh looking at apartments to move here 
and had only looked at one apartment, like, and I knew, unfortunately, that, like, my dad had COVID when I flew here. Um, My sister and I both lived together in Chicago, and she was moving to LA, and I was moving to New York. So my dad had flown out to Chicago to help her drive across, across the country all of her stuff, and he was helping her pack up. And like, my dad is a handyman. Like he is the kind of guy that's like, I'm going to do everything. You don't know how he knows how to do everything. He just does. He's like Mm -hmm. the best dad ever. And my sister like suspected something was wrong when he was like very tired and could not like help her pack up and help her move things. So is he not usually, is he usually like very high energy or? Very, yeah, just, like, he would never, like, let someone else do anything. Like, he is such, like I said, just, like, not only a handyman, but, like, always, like, the first to step up, like, such a hard worker. So it's, like, very rare that, like, he would see somebody else, like, doing a physical activity and he would be sitting Mm. on the couch. Like, Mm. that's just not my dad. Mm. So, like, she suspected something was wrong. um, And they were, like, leaving. And in that 15 hour car ride, like from Chicago, they were stopping in Denver where we're from. Um, he had like a very, very serious decline of like, couldn't breathe. Mm. Not okay. So my sister, God bless her heart was like driving the last four hours in a crazy hailstorm through the mountains of Colorado, just to like she didn't want him to be in a hospital, like in the middle of nowhere in a random state. Like yeah. she was like, I have to get him home. I have to get him home. And so when they got to my parents' house in Colorado, my mom called the ambulance. His oxygen was at like 50, 50 something, which is insane. Okay. Like mm-hmm. that he even made it through that. They rushed him to the hospital and he was there for about 48 hours before I got the call from my mom, like, Hey, it's not looking good. You need to come home. Mm -hmm. So in that instant, it's crazy to like, look back now. I had only looked at one apartment and I was like, I guess I got to do it. So I like went to the bank, got the security deposit check, like ran it to the realtor and went straight to the airport and got on a plane. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm either moving to New York or I'm not. given it was the only thing I looked at and like, that's not like me. Like I overanalyze everything. Like I'm, I'm so grateful looking back now in that regard that mm-hmm. this forced me to just like do it because I never would have gotten an apartment in New York otherwise, but it was very scary. My dad was ended up having to go on a ventilator and he was on a ventilator for almost six weeks and like in the hospital for six weeks. Wow. And I think, it was just such a wake up call for all of us that you like, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like he thankfully made it through. Um, but like, it was a very traumatizing six weeks, just like things you don't even think about of my mom and I having to sit down together and be like, what bills do we need to pay for the house? Like Mm -hmm. what, what do we need to take care of? And like, that's the beauty of my dad. He's just like such a great dad, like takes care of everything for my family and takes care of my mom and just make sure everyone is like perfect at all times. And I think like the threat of that being gone was just like so scary. So I think for me, that really just impacted me. Not that I didn't take COVID seriously before, but I think it's really, really hard to 
not complain and not pout about like, oh, we have to wear masks or, oh, we have to do this until someone super close to you almost loses their life because of it. And so that was just a huge wake up call for me, but also just like taking health seriously, remembering to like tell my dad I love him, (laughs) like call him. So that really just like had a huge impact on my family and this year and grateful he came out on the other side um but so it was like it really impacted me a lot yeah I mean that sounds like a very much a watershed moment um and thank god that he's okay now so do you feel like you just are you taking more risks or are you just living life you know a lot more in the present for sure. I mean, I'm someone just with my background, like before I started working at Comey, like my job was traveling. Like mm-hmm. I had to travel all of the time for work and my health and travel was never something like two things that I ever combined. Like mm-hmm. I never thought twice about going somewhere or getting on a plane. It was just like second nature. And I think it's definitely rewired my brain a little bit to be more aware of my surroundings. And it's not to say like, you know, I am very much like we only, time is limited. We only have one life. Like I don't want it to hold me back, but I'm definitely like a lot more conscious about protecting myself and traveling smart and, you know, making sure that I just make like good choices when I travel. Definitely. And that's something that I want to get into a little bit more on your background. So you, I don't know if many people will know this, but you were Miss Colorado, right? Yes. And your background's in modeling. So that's like two, two, do you consider them two very separate things or do they all kind of blend into one? I mean, they definitely are two very separate things. Um, But they if you took like two trains going in the same direction on parallel tracks, like that's how I would describe them. They definitely go hand in hand um, with each other. I think, you know, I grew up dancing, like I was in competitive dance and ballet and jazz and hip hop. And then when I got to high school, I joined my school's dance team. And so performing and dance was always something I enjoyed. Um, I was never going to become professional, just I have no natural turnout and that was just not in the cards for me. So I think as I got to kind of the age and the level that I had to make choices, either like focus on school, focus on extracurriculars that would give me a good resume to get into a good college. um, I kind of had to put the crazy hours a week of dance that I did on the back burner. So I entered my first pageant, which was called Miss America's Outstanding Team, which was the teen division to Miss America, okay. which in the US is known as like a really big scholarship program. If you won Miss America, you got like $50,000 scholarship to school. It's, inc- it's an incredible system, but talent is one of the categories for that. So um, I decided to enter just because I wanted like the interview skills and I wanted to perform and everything that came with it, which still allowed me to like practice my dance skills and perform and be on stage, but wasn't nearly as time consuming kind of in one isolated direction. It allowed me, you know, to have community service and do a bunch of things that would just be beneficial for me more so as I like entered the time of making adult choices. (laughs) No, that's, that's super interesting because I never considered the fact that people might enter because 
it's I think there's quite a cultural difference between the US and the UK it's I don't know anyone personally that does pageants but um, I never considered that someone would enter them you know for the reason that they just want to better themselves because over here it's presented as just like this superficial you know like oh we know we're so beautiful and also we're talented you know let me show this off whereas it's yours you know you're making it sound a lot different like I would want all of those skills I would want to learn how to interview properly or present myself you know for sure I think you know when you talk about pageants and pageantry it's a it's a big industry like in the U.S. like there's a ton of different organizations obviously the two main ones in the U.S. are Miss America and the Miss Universe organization, um, which then Miss USA, Miss Teen USA fall under. And I think like, you know, with the popularity of reality TV, you see these shows like toddlers and tiaras or, or whatever they might be that definitely like mock pageantry and highlight the negative things that can come out of pageantry, especially when you're like exposing a child in that way. So for me, it's more so the intention behind entering and obviously your choice and organization. And, you know, I don't know how it works in the UK. I'm sure there's like far less or what even organizations there are, but um, at least, you know, kind of like I touched on about Miss America, like it is a scholarship program mm -hmm. and talent was worth like 50% of the score or something crazy like that. So kind of what the pageant emphasizes as well is kind of the quality of winner you're going to get or like participant you're going to get. And I think pageants have also evolved a lot um, given everything the world is going through. Like, you know, Miss Universe used to be owned by Donald Trump. <laughs> so there wasn't, you know, not to say it was a horrible organization because I competed at Miss Teen USA while it was under the ownership of Donald Trump. And like, yes, he owned it, but he wasn't really involved in the day-to-day -day of the organization. The organization is run by Paul Shugart, um, who's the president of Miss Universe organization. And it's always been kind of like run and operated by women. Um, then Donald Trump sold it to IMG and IMG owned it when I competed um, at Miss USA. And so you've seen it kind of go through these evolutions of really like, trying to provide experiences that build self-confidence for people and like create opportunities for success. Like they really encourage you to find a platform and like activate your voice and choose something that you can speak upon, especially given in the age of social media, like you do see more of the winners, especially being owned by IMG have a voice. Um, and that's what I really think the focus is on more. Like they took away the swimsuit competition for the team division. Like there has been a lot of changes that direct the focus on these like empowering things and developing skills, being able to speak in front of crowds and in an interview room. So again, like I think with anything in life, you know, whether it's a job, even football or like different kind of sports, it's life, right? There's a negative to every, everything. Um, but if you choose to like focus on the positive and like, you're very clear with your intentions and what you want to get out of it. For me, it was a wildly positive experience. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you had a positive experience. Why, why do you think then a pageant so controversial? Like, why do you think that there's such a, 
a, a backlash against them. I think, you know, some people might say that it's, although women are the main partakers, do you think the audience is for women or is it still very like, you know, it's a male gaze, women, you know, are often in their bikinis or does it encourage one type of body? Because, you know, people work out a lot and hot and they all look incredible. But then is that an unrealistic beauty standard that they're, you know, continually pushing as a message? What, what, how do you respond to those sorts of uh, questions? Yeah, I think obviously now being on the other side, I've been asked to judge. Um, I judged mm -hmm. Miss Colorado USA this year. And at least, you know, I can only speak from my personal experiences, at least the direction that I was given, like when I judged is like, it doesn't matter the body type. We just want to encourage health and wellness. And we realize that health looks very different, you know, for different people. And I think as a society, whether you, if we want to like make this at large, the industry and society standards of like body image are completely different. So I think, you know, it has been recent when I judge, but I was not told like pick a stick thin girl with a six pack of abs with a Colombian butt. Like that's not <laughs> the direction that was given to me, it, which is what I think are the like standards you're talking that people think like, if you look, I think we are seeing, whether it's in pageantry, modeling a lot of more diverse body types and just diversity in general. And so the direction for me was, are they healthy for themselves? And that's what I judged upon. So for me, I think maybe there was a time, you know, that it wasn't like that, but not ever in my experience. So I, I only can speak for myself and I can't really say that. I've seen that so much, um, but the US and the UK are very different, so I'm not quite sure how they're yeah. really. <laughs> I mean, you've spoken a lot about the, the pageantry evolution, and um, I was wondering if that you think that's the same in the fashion industry, because obviously you've modeled as well, and especially with high fashion models. As far as I'm aware, the high fashion industry can still be incredibly um, toxic for women and I've seen so much online about women that have spoken up against like why they left modeling like how horrible it was on their mental health do you think that that industry's changing in conjunction or do you think that pageantry's kind of taken uh, a much more or just being more progressive really yeah I think yeah it's tough <laughs> I mean when IMG bought Miss USA I would say, you know how you asked me like, oh, do they go hand in hand? Are they totally separate things? That was one of the big reasons I decided to compete for Miss USA is there was a lot of rumors at the time with IMG purchasing the competition that whoever won would be like offered this modeling contract and the worlds would really collide like a lot more than they did um, previously. And so I think, you know, with under the direction of IMG, which is obviously one of the biggest agencies in fashion. They produce New York Fashion Week. Like they are a huge player. They have a huge influence, you know, on the space. And so I think because of that, they're a little bit more leveled out. Um, but I wouldn't like credit that and that inclusivity to the changes that we've really seen in the space because you know, New York Fashion Week just happened and like I still am seeing all of our TikTok and all of our Instagram, like what I eat in a day to get ready for New York Fashion Week. And to me, that is so toxic because you're showing, like you still see models showing themselves eating 500 to 700 calories a day. And like, I think 
while progress has been made, it's so deeply rooted in the culture of modeling that skinny is beautiful. Yeah. And I think what I credit to any sort of change at all is social media. And I know that social media has, again, like a lot of toxic traits in terms of mental health and this idealistic life in comparison. But I also think social media has the power to affect amazing change. And why I think social media had an effect on this so much is because it started giving power and voice to people who would never be let in the door. So what I mean by this is when I first started modeling, like castings were closed. It was very strict of like, you're on the list for a casting through your agency, only girls five, eight, five, nine and above with these measurements are let in. And you pretty much walked in the room and everybody looked like you and everybody had the same body type as you. And you tried on the clothes or whatever it was you're modeling and they selected from the casting. That's how the industry worked. With the rise of social media and people who didn't meet those care, like criteria, let's say, um, people started to see that there was relevance in using people who had garnered a following. It's almost like free advertising, right? Like if you're Forever 21 or Revolve or whoever it might be, and you have the opportunity to work with someone who has a million plus followers and you know that they're going to post you, well, that's a far better value proposition than it is bringing me in just because I might look a little bit better in the clothes per their beauty standards. And so clients that I had for a long time, like I did not buy into the social media. I'm a pretty private person. And like this early age of social media, you didn't really know like, oh, will models be taken seriously if they're on Instagram or not? But you like overnight saw the shift of clients starting to book these social media personalities and a lot of confusion because you're like, wait, she's by three, she's by four. Like, how did she get in the door? And I think that was huge in putting pressure on these companies and brands to be more inclusive and make more diverse choices, whether the intention behind it was proper or not. Um, I think social media played a huge role in breaking barriers for different types of body types and hair types and skin tones and colors to to enter the chat, <laughs> per se. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Is there, is there any tension between the advocates of the old way and the people that are, you know, as you said, like don't fit the the traditional body type of those high fashion models. Is there anyone in the industry that's like, I don't know, I could just imagine there would be tension. Trust me, I'm sure. Like I was never a high fashion model. Like my lane always was kind of lifestyle, swimwear, activewear, you know, I'm 5'8", which at the time was considered relatively short (laughs) for industry standards, and I'm very curvy. Um, So not very curvy, but for industry standards, I was considered, you know, I was on some of the plus boards at my agencies um, before. And so I was told to lose muscle sometimes, but like for my swimwear, they liked the curves. And so I wouldn't say I was as subjected to what you see in like Paris or Milan or New York in terms of that high fashion editorial runway. Yeah. So I can't really speak, but I'm with you. My guess would be, yeah, there's a lot of people who are bitter 
Um, because like I said, so much of the rise of high fashion trend was like models are not human beings. They're a hanger for the clothes. And so what does a hanger do? It gives no shape to the clothes. So that's what they want the model to look like. And for you're talking about forcing like, you know, these fashion houses and high industry people to change years and years and decades of like what their core is. And I just don't think that happens this quickly. Um, but you know, we are seeing change and small change is better than no change. So I think we're kind of at the point of a society is you, you, you get on the train or you're going to be left behind. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, but going back to like the premise of the podcast is about like, you know, how, how we've been shaped and, you know, the ways that we've changed, obviously being a part of that industry, but there are moments where you were like, I need to change how I think about myself. I need to change the, the way that I, because you said like these um, casting agents or your agency is saying to you, you need to lose muscle. You need to do this. Were you like, was there a point where you were like, no, not anymore. Like this is how I, you know, was there a sense where agency kicked in or how, how did you change your relationship with your body throughout that period? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Like I still struggle body image given that like my livelihood relied on how much I weighed, how I looked like how toned I was for, you know, close to eight years of my life. Like that there's a lot of mental conditioning that needs to be undone (laughs) from that. But I think, you know, like I said, I did not have it as bad as some, like I wasn't in the type of modeling where it was like, please starve yourself. Like, um, but it is very difficult to wake up and every second of the day, know it's your job to go to maybe one or two workout classes if you're not shooting and like avoid eating. So what do you think about all day? You think about eating. (laughs) Um, and that just became like very toxic for me especially, you know, I'm 28, like not that that's old, but I don't have the metabolism that I had at 21 either. So it just became like unrealistic for me to put all my eggs in that basket of like relying on my body to provide my shelter and my safety. Like it it just wasn't enjoyable for me anymore. Mm -hmm. And I I'm grateful for everything that like COVID brought for me in that way, because it was definitely a thought like percolating at the forefront of my mind of like, you know, how do I transition? And I was really lucky that school was my thing. Like I went to an amazing university. I graduated, you know, with a 3.9 GPA, like two degrees. Like I, I did have that to fall back on and make a transition. So it was just about like, kind of hitting that point where I felt fulfilled and accomplished and like successful in that creative space that I love so much. Um, but also like ready to make that transition. And it was definitely on the forefront of my mind, but COVID kind of like forced me to be like, okay, what's next? Because when COVID hit, like models were completely out of work. There was no going into the studios to shoot. Like you just overnight work stopped. Um, and we didn't know how long that was going to happen for. So you only have so much savings, you know, if you're not Gigi or Bella Hadid, you know, on the cover of every magazine, it definitely, you know, like it was a wonderful time. Like it did pay well and I enjoyed it, but I was definitely ready for something new. So I'm grateful for life kind of forcing that upon me. (laughs) Good. So do you feel like you're on more of a journey of like genuine wellness now rather than almost a superficial wellness? For sure. I think 
I took a lot of time during COVID to do that, like, inner work, um, because I had the time, which is nice, um, to just kind of take a step back and look at my journey that thus far and timeline to say, like, what was it about school that I really enjoyed and liked? And what was it about being Miss Colorado USA and competing at Miss USA that I really liked? And what is it about modeling that fulfills me so much and kind of redefine myself and pull out all those things that invigorated me and like made me feel passionate about life and Mm -hmm. do the same with like, what made me feel like shit? Like what made me beat myself up and try to eliminate those things in my life and look for a career, um, you know, and a path forward and in those things that did make me happy. And also I think I had to redevelop my relationship with exercise because it had gotten to a point where like, if I didn't work out that day, I was a mental mess at night because mm-hmm. like, what the heck, that was my only job that day if I wasn't working. And I'm someone who's always loved exercise. Like that's why pageantry was a great fit. I taught pure bar classes for eight years, like all through college um, and afterwards, like fitness is a passion of mine. So I just had to kind of redevelop that relationship and get to a point where I went into it, not with the intention of like losing weight or being skinny or because it's my job, but going into it with the intention of this is really good for my health like it makes me feel good it gives me an hour a day where i get to check out from the world and and that's what my relationship with exercise is and like hey if i don't make it one day because i'm too tired or i'm too busy like the world isn't gonna end um yeah (laughs) work in progress there's times i do still like beat myself up you know um especially because now my job is a lot more sedentary like I do sit on a computer on calls and on emails and doing things way more so than I ever did so that's been like a huge adjustment too um but yeah it's a work in progress and I would definitely say I've improved my relationship with like health and wellness and I would define it more as health and wellness now than ever before versus like mandatory focus of my life (laughs) (laughs) definitely um and I always forget like what a privilege it is to be able to move my body you know like I'm like so incredibly grateful so I guess exercise for me often comes up if I ever need a bit of motivation I think gosh I'm so glad that I can actually run you know kind of the first conversation that we had you asking me like what's something that really impacted me everything that happened with my dad and like you know it's been seven months and he's still struggling like you know, being on a ventilator for that long and like retraining your lung capacity, especially living in Colorado at the altitude, like I do not take for granted what my body is capable of doing, just seeing his recovery path. And um, so, yeah, it just kind of goes along with that. I'm, I'm grateful that I get to move my definitely, body. Definitely. I wanted to pivot slightly onto a slightly, a bit of a juicier topic because I know okay. that you have some insight into it and hopefully my listeners will find it interesting. But I want to talk about... LA, Los Angeles, the culture out there, the the rise of the influencer and talk about some of the things that you might have seen and experienced um, and also I saw this TikTok about this girl was saying she was British and she'd gone out there for work and she was saying about how confronting LA is as a place or like how much you can see poverty next to extreme wealth and I know we definitely have that in the UK and certainly here in London but maybe not to the extent that you have I mean, based on different politics, of course, but 
I just wanted to talk to what's your experience about being there? Do you think it's romanticized too much or do you actually think like it is a place of opportunity for everyone? Yeah, so like a couple of responses in hmm. that. I would say I'm not sure when your friend went, but especially after COVID, it is absolutely devastating the homelessness and and what has happened in LA I mean like there were always pockets you know mm. like downtown or Santa Monica always definitely had like a higher homeless population but COVID absolutely devastated the city and it's really really difficult to see like I I do not like to go back because it is sad like you look up to the hills and you have these staggering mansions and beautiful homes. And at the bottom of the hill, you have a row of literal tents and like homeless community. Like it's, it is crazy. Mm -hmm. And like, not to say there's not the middle class and in between, but I think what's so difficult about it is it is so visual, right? Like in a lot of other places, yes, there's homelessness, but it's kind of hidden in areas that aren't frequented or, you know, hidden. If you don't want to see it, you don't have to see it where like, I feel like the point it's at in LA is you see those two things like side by side and it's hard to wrap your head around sometimes. Um, but for me, yeah, I mean, LA is definitely romanticized. I think gone for sure are the days of Los Angeles of like old Hollywood that we think about. I think those have been gone for the better of probably 10 years <laughs> ever since social media started like you hear about the hollywood a-list celebrities and i don't think that any of them would even dream to live in la in this day and age and time like they've all moved to santa barbara or austin or canada or nashville just because la is not what it used to be um for better or for worse i think you know, now you drive around and it might as well be whatever that account is, like influencers in the wild. Or whatever. <laughs> it's just, that's what you see. And LA is a harsh, tough place. Like there are opportunities there. That's why people go there. That's why people have always gone there. Um, but it's not a place you go if you don't have to. And it's not a place you go if you're looking for genuine friendships and connections and like the meaning of life you go there because you have a goal and you don't care about any of those other things and you're like have your blinders on and your eyes on the prize and you're going for it like it's a very competitive cutthroat tough environment mm. and I think you know obviously if you have like deep family connections in LA or like it's been a part of your past or it, you're familiar with it there's so much to love about LA. It's so, the weather's incredible. The views are incredible. Like there is so much to do. It's a beautiful place. But if you're talking like, you know, I'm moving to LA as a nobody that's trying to get started in the industry, better have some tough skin because <laughs> it's not a normal place by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of things of like, people not being allowed to sit next to a window because like the waiters don't think that they're attractive enough or like parties where they'll check how many followers you have and if you don't have over a certain amount they're like this place isn't for you I'm sorry like do you feel like these are just tropes or stories that people spread around or could you imagine things like that actually happening listen I'm sure 
things like that actually happen. Like at the end of the day, I think like most quote unquote parties are probably business events Mm -hmm. disguised by the fact that, you know, it's a party at the hottest restaurant in LA, like business is done very differently there. Like it's all about eyeballs and that quote unquote party is probably sponsored by a brand who is putting together a list of who's going to post for us. How many eyeballs are we going to get on this sponsored event? Like, you know, what is our engagement going to be? And so if you're not super like familiar with LA or in the know, you're looking at like, Oh my God, I'm not good enough for that party, but it's not a party to go socialize. It's a party to profit from. Mm. And it's like an event, you know? And so of course there's going to be a list of, who's allowed in, like, especially right now when you still have like COVID capacity and different things, like their end goal is eyeball. So of course it matters how many followers you have. Of course it matters your engagement. Of course it matters who you're associated with because that's what it is to build a brand, right? Mm -hmm. Like you build brands now around people. And if that person doesn't align with your branding, you're not going to just let them in the door Mm -hmm. because that's a risk for you. So I think, again, you have to peel, like, those glittery layers back of, like, oh, it's LA, there's parties, there's celebrities, there's influencers, there's this and that. And it's, like, what is the end goal of that person? What is the end goal of that company? What's the end goal of that brand? And, like, I think that's the people who succeed when they move to LA is they look at every single thing they do as a business transaction, and that's why it's a really cold cutthroat place. Like, but when you can take it for what it is and look at it in that way and grow that thick skin. You don't get offended by those things. You don't look at, you know, it's like, it just is what it is. It's a business. Like Mm -hmm. the whole city is a business Mm -hmm. and everybody is trying to, you know, compete for a very limited amount of spots in probably what culture deems as the most desired industry there is, whether it is not, that's like what, you know, our society and culture deems right now. Like, I think I read some crazy survey that like, it was my year of graduation of high school, which was 2011, like the careers that people were asked, like what they wanted to go after. And it was still your typical like engineer or astronaut or doctor. Yeah. This or that. Like Now it's like some wildly large percentage <laughs> of people who are saying, I want to be a TikTok star or I want to be an influencer. Like, When I graduated college, the word influencer did not exist. Like it was not a thing. So it's been interesting to like see that evolution, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. of LA. So yeah, I'm sure like it's gotten harsher and worse even since I've been there, but everyone's just trying to succeed and everyone's just trying to run a business. Like no one is moving there to just like move there and have a good time. Yeah, of course. (laughs) I think the trope of the influencer by itself is incredibly interesting to think about. People are getting paid to tell people to buy other things, essentially. It's it's interesting because your background's in advertising as well, right? Yeah. Like, there's been such a shift between, I guess, advertising and the traditional model of, like, I mean, I, mean, I guess, ultimately, it's still the same. It's, like, selling people an experience. If you buy this, you will be this person. Whereas right. now, I think influencers still do the same, but almost, like you know, the most successful influencers because either people want to aspire to be them or people think that they are like them, you know? They're either incredibly relatable or they're incredibly aspirational. What do you think that's done for, like, just just 
industries, the beauty industry, the fashion industry as a whole, how have influencers came in and just rocked the whole boat? Do you think yeah, people are buying more, buying less? I think, so like a main, it's really interesting because I think about this regularly of like, I studied advertising and fashion media in college and like, like I said, at the time, I think I got an Instagram, like maybe my junior or senior year of college. And so like the advertising I was studying, like I was studying your more traditional mediums of advertising, whether that was magazine, journalism, like paid commercial ads, like that's kind of the advertising I was studying. And, and one thing that was such a focus of those studies was advertising ethics. And mm -hmm. I think when the influencer comes into the conversation that completely blows up this idea of ethics behind advertising because you have the FTC in the United States, which is Federal Trade Commission, like was prior able to really regulate these ads and in turn, like in turn, say they, they were regulating the safety of the consumer. And so like, you could you could be sued for false advertising right like it was very clear like if, let's just use a cleaning product for example because that's way easier like if you are saying this cleaning product removes 99.9 percent .9 of germs and you're printing that on your packaging you're putting that in you know your ad in people magazine and you're saying that during your commercial well you have to have the like substantial studies yeah. and research behind it to prove that and when you bring in this conversation of the influencer all that goes away because it's very difficult to regulate it. Especially, I, they've definitely worked on cracking down. You have to think like Instagram, it's very recent that you see this paid collaboration yeah. with. Yeah. Like a lot of things that are done, but we are nowhere near what we need to be doing in terms of regulating it. You know, so when you talk about ethics, I think it's really hard because in the traditional forms of advertising pre social media, you knew you were being sold something. I would watch the TV. I would open a magazine and I know somebody put money behind this to change my thoughts, to change my perspective, to entice me to purchase this product, to make me think this product is cool. And like, you always knew if you were opening us or people or Harper's Bazaar or whatever, like if you saw a celebrity in an outfit, you knew it was paid for like you, that. Those were the understood norms, but now you bring in, all of that spend that was really expensive, brands were spending a ton of money and they can take that advertising spend and turn around and reach millions of eyeballs guaranteed because there's data and there's analytics and there's tracking and they don't have to disclose they've paid for it. That This is a whole different world. Mm -hmm. So I think now the responsibility is on the consumer to educate themselves on the consumer to understand that they're being sold to and just probably expect that 99.9% .9 of the time, nothing is genuine on the internet. Like there's some paid motivation or gifting motivation or something behind it when it comes to, you know, anyone with 10,000 followers plus, like you look at even this evolution of the micro influencer and brands are really putting a lot of emphasis on that. Hmm. because they have a niche and because like you said there's two things either you aspire to be that or you think you're that so you have like this micro influencer that talks to the people of this is my language I'm that I can be that and then you have these macro influencers that are like millions of followers that's what I aspire to be and it's like the public is just brainwashed so 
All in all, yeah, I think it's it's a difficult conversation because there is no way to re- regulate it, mm-hmm. and a lot of like the protection of consumers has been forfeited in this world we're living in. Definitely, definitely. I mean, echo the point when I think it is a legal requirement to put like hashtag ad in now. In I think that's technically a requirement. I'm not sure it's done all the time, and also just the extent to which we're advertised at especially unassumingly you know as you said in the past like even in on tv shows there's a literal break and you know like okay this is my three minutes where they're gonna try and sell me something and most of the times people do something else during the breaks anyway you know there's this whole thing in the uk about the the energy supplies in the uk they get them they get bumped up in times of ad breaks because everyone goes to put the kettle on to like make themselves a cup of tea everyone's away from the tv but if you're on your phone you, I mean, you literally can't go like two posts without being, or sponsor posts that I don't even follow this person, but you're telling me that I should for some reason and the algorithms as well. Like, yeah, it can be daunting. Yeah. (laughs) And very overwhelming. Yeah. It's, it's a lot to take in. And I just think like, I'm so interested for all of the psychology studies Mm. and stuff to come out about, you know, millennials and Gen Z, because I think something that is so staggeringly different, obviously screen time is going to affect us, no question, but it's also just like our parents were not this constantly mentally stimulated and like you can't get away from it because Mm -hmm. like I'm so grateful like that in high school, like I went to school, I dealt with my bullying or whatever was at school and I went to dance and then I went home and got to escape from the world. And now there is no escape, right? Because like the world is at your fingertips and these kids go home and like the bullying is even worse because it's online. Uh, There's just so many aspects that this like constant connectedness affects. And like I said, I talked about the positives of it earlier where like in masses you can affect change and that's a wonderful thing Mm. you see a lot of movements happen because of social media or a lot of like cases get solved like there are positive things but also sometimes it's like god like so much just i just want to lock myself in a room and turn the lights off and shut everything off because i just don't think that we were made to process this much information and yeah to me 80% of it's irrelevant like like you said like ads and things like I could care less to see I don't want to see this Mm. where like you it's impossible to filter that out of your life and so no wonder we have like depression and anxiety and like all these things skyrocketing because like we just don't know how to filter it out Mm. and filter what's real and what's not or what's important and or what's not and to me like we've got to figure that out because we're going to hit a big crash with this sooner or later. Yeah. What do you have a prediction? Like some people think that there's going to be an end to Instagram, that there's just going to be like this mass exit of especially people, I guess I'm only a little bit younger than you, but especially millennials are just going to be like, fuck this. I do not, I don't, I don't want to care about your holiday. I don't know you. Like, why am I, I always think about this. Why am I following people that I have no personal connection with? Why am I interested in your life? I have no reason to be interested in your life. And yet here I am. Like, is she still with that person? You know? Oh, oh my God. Oh, she's got this brand deal. Good for her. Like, why do I care? Yeah. And that means it's a good influencer if you care. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say it's interesting because I have a sister that's Gen Z who's like very in 
the internet world Mm. and like for her I don't see her age range or her group it turning off anytime soon Mm. in fact they're really into nfts and web3 and the metaverse and like it's just only the hole is getting deeper for them yeah for millennials I definitely see like a mass exit and like this shift in mindset of like it's cooler to be private Mm. um like it's cooler now it's the cool thing to like be mysterious and not post like I feel like stories we're almost back to like the original snapchat right where it's just like stories all the time to just like let people know you're in a city so like you can meet up with friends like if you're there but like this like you said whole like idea of constant life updates for everybody I I definitely don't think is at the forefront anymore so I'm yeah, it's, I'm always about, like, I'm interested to see the studies and psychology yeah. on it when it's all said and done. But I think the divide is becoming bigger and bigger between the two generations. And you're really mm-hmm. seeing that. Like, mm-hmm. I noticed this trend, like, during COVID and when TikTok came out and, like, the whole TikTok dancing. Like, that's when I saw a lot of millennials, like, be like, I'm wiping my hands clean of this. Like, I can't yeah. get on board with that. Like, I need to be done. Because um, it's overwhelming. Like, how do you expect to have a full-time job, create content, video content for TikTok, create photo content for Instagram, tweet your thoughts, you know, like whatever, there's like 900 things, be on a discord, be, there's just not enough time in the day to then shut down and have some sanity or time with your family or your child, like you just, it's impossible. So I think millennials are also at that age where they are having families and there's enough on their plate that the decision was made for them because there's other priorities, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, that's going to be so interesting to see. I kind of fear for people a bit younger than me as well, though. Like, people that are, like, especially now, like, 13, 14, there's such a blend between real life and the internet. Like, it becomes so convoluted. I wouldn't even... Yeah, that's scary. I'm so grateful. I'm very grateful. People (laughs) opting into the metaverse and VR and, like, talking to people like they're in the room, but they're not. They just have a headset on. I know. I do there's this like company called oculus that builds those glasses of like the vr and i haven't done it and i'm like i am interested like it is interesting right? yeah of course like enter these other worlds and like we are characters in movies like at this Mm. point i'm i don't know it it is interesting to me but it's a rabbit hole so (laughs) you gotta be careful yeah exactly and obviously these are all things that were shaped us but i've kept you for so long so i'm gonna wrap it up a bit I want to know, like, what do you think's next for you? Like, what's on your plate? What should everyone get excited about? I mean, if you're going to share it online, you might you might just mass exit. This might be your last public appearance. <laughs> no, no, no. Obviously, working at Comey, I love the internet. Like, I think there are so many great things about it. And, like, I kind of go back to what I was talking about, like, when entering pageantry, I think at the core of it all is like your reasoning behind it and your intentions. Right. So like if you have the intentions of spreading positivity or the intentions of like genuinely sharing information that will help people, I think it's a wonderful place. And so obviously, you know, at Comey, we're trying to like solve this mass chaos by giving people this home to like aggregate all the important things about themselves um, which in turn means less time searching, less time 
deep diving. Like, it's just like, here's what I want you to know about me. And here's what I have to offer all Mm -hmm. in one place. And I think that's great. So like, for me, I love what I do now because I'm bringing purpose and like value to talent who are bringing value to the internet. Mm -hmm. And that's really awesome. Um, But also I have, you know, loved modeling. And one of the biggest things I loved about it is the beauty space. And so um, on the side have been helping my sister with a project. Uh, she's launching her first makeup collection. That's so very exciting. That's been very fun and exciting um, to still like feel like I'm being creative and keep my toes in the parts of the industry that I love. <laughs> I love that so much. Well, thank you so much, Kaylee. Um, oh, actually, I wanted to say before we la- before we leave, um, just to remind everyone that you have the autonomy to create what you see on the internet. Obviously, the algorithms are hard, but if something's making you upset or you don't want to see it or you have no interest, just block and follow. You know, just leave yeah, that stuff behind. Yeah, best thing that ever happened to Instagram. Like I use that all the time. Like I love mute. Not that I love muting people, but yeah, there are times where it's like. If something is like making you question your self worth or like be like, oh, why am I not doing that? Like I just mute because exactly I, it makes you feel in control of yourself and your mental health, and that's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> so the takeaway: just mute everyone. Just yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Do you want to like? Do you want to? Usually, people like drop their handles or plug themselves in some way. So where can people find you if they want to? Which obviously they do <laughs> yeah, want to. Um. I'm not like on anything really other than Instagram, but my Instagram handle is Hey K Ray. So like H E Y C A Y R A E. Um, and that's the best place to keep up with me. I can't believe you haven't been sucked into the TikTok whirlpool. I know I'm sucked into the TikTok whirlpool in terms of like consuming, but not posting. I love consuming TikTok content, especially Mm. like interior design and like beauty. Like I've learned so much from TikTok. But yeah, it's like, I don't have the time. Like I said, I would love to do tutorials and like educational content, but people do not realize how long it takes to edit that and like for it to be valuable. It's like Mm. a good amount of time. So by the time I'm like done with my work for the day, I'm way too tired to get in my bathroom (laughs) and do a tutorial. So it's like, if I had the time, I probably would out of like good fun, but yeah, I don't have the time right now, so maybe someday. <laughs> Sorry, everyone, you're gonna have to wait a long time for Kaylee's day in the lives, or yeah. her, or come to a bar class with me, come to Barry's with me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hello, it's me back to wrap up the episode. I'm so sorry that the outro was so abrupt. I don't know how to say goodbye yet to people. I'm not very good at it. Um, but you're not interested in that. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you learned something. And yeah, please don't forget to rate it five stars and tell everyone about it because then I will keep doing it. And I keep saying that. And I'm very sorry. Okay. Um. Yeah, that's all there is to say. Enjoy the outro music again, and I will see you next time. Also, you can find me at Becky Lee, like B E C X Y L W E, and also at uh, not an OG thought pod on Instagram. Okay, that is everything. Have a lovely week. Have a lovely weekend. Have a lovely evening. And I'll see you next time. Bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. 
That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.